You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. I'm about to interview someone very special, but um, I uh, this we're in a series called Full House right now, and we're talking uh, about family things, family matters, and um, we're talking. Oh, I'm talking on my favourite subject today, which is Jesus, and then my second favourite subject is marriage. Um, so I get to talk on both today, which is the best. It's best case scenario, really, for me. Loving it. Um, uh, Beck and I, we run the marriage team in our church as well. We, uh, we, we've actually got marriage mentors through our church. And um, for if you're starting out in marriage or you want to go to a new level in your marriage, um, then uh, we would love to put some wise people around you to, uh, to help you to get to that next level. Because um, I believe uh, that marriage is what you make it. So you can, you, can, you can make for yourself this horrible, disconnected, you know, uh, environment in your, in your relationship, or you can change that. Uh, marriage is what you make it. I, I think kids are what you make them, but then they, they often come with extra bells and whistles that you're not prepared for <laughs> as well. But, um, you know, marriage is... Uh, Marriage is one of my favorite topics, and God's has really put it on our heart, on Beck's and my heart, to, um, to invest into marriages. And then we've got, had some prophetic words around that as, as well, which has been good. Um, but we have, we've worked through a lot of crap, haven't we, babe, over the years? You know, you have your, you have your moments, you have your seasons... You have your things going on that you have to talk through. You know, you have your awkward, you know, conversations that seem to last for days, um, you know. But what we have found is that when you commit to communicating with honesty and openness uh, and also with love and kindness, no, don't just be honest and open because that can be brutal. You also need to add to that some kindness and some love, you know, love in marriage. Who would have thought that that would have worked out so well? Um, and what we found is that we just need to keep choosing to extend grace to each other because that's, that just provides this safe place where you can thrive together. Um, and that's the goal. Clo- closeness is the goal. Intimacy is the goal. There's lots of different kinds of intimacy, not just the one you're thinking of. Um, but closeness and intimacy is the goal for, for your marriage. And that's, that's how God set it up. God created it to do that. So we're going to talk about that today. Um, because sometimes marriages go through stuff. You know, you go through an, uh, an, an, a challenge, an issue. Sometimes that goes on for a, a period of time. Sometimes the, some of the things that you face in life inevitably affect your marriage, your relationship. Um, and, but I've got to say, at the get-go, in Christ, there is always hope. All right, in Christ, in Christ, there's not always hope in the world. There's not always hope in that great book that you've picked up. There's not always hope in, you know, in, 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 in other things, but there's always hope in Jesus Christ every single time, right? He is the source of hope. So if, if you walk away from today with anything, I pray that it's a little bit more hope. Uh, obviously, I hope you get something out of this, uh, but, but I hope that you get also some hope for your, for your future. 
Jesus. So what I want to do is I want to uh, I want to honour and and interview someone today uh, who is very dear to Beck and I, um, who's gone through hell when it comes to her marriage, but uh, today they are stronger than ever before. So I want to invite Kate Roberts to come here today. Awesome. Bless you. So, Kate, and now, now Tim's not here, but I'm assuming that because you're in a new amazing phase of your marriage that you've cleared this with him, and that's okay. <laughs> great, great. See, see, I was testing her because I'm like, I'm not texting Tim. Tim's like, like one of my best friends, but I'm like, you'll talk about it because you talk now, which is good, which is good. So, um, uh, you guys have gone through something that we hope and pray no one else goes through. Um, and I don't want to, I don't want to paint uh, a brutal picture of what happened. I don't want it to go into details, but I do want uh, us to understand the severity of what, of what took place. So can you give a pretty quick rundown as to what happened up until the point where you had to make a decision as to what you were going to do? Okay. So, timing. It was the... So Tim and I, you know, had what I thought was a great marriage and um, the day before my 17th wedding anniversary, um, great timing, we had had a picnic and it was a little weird and he, was, he went off and um, did a wedding and I got a phone call going, where, where are you? Are you on your way home? I said, yep. Okay, just stay there. So I went home, Tim then comes, sits down and you just, like the look on his face was awful and I just thought, what has happened? And then he sits and he tells me that um, for the last year or so, he's been having an affair with a woman at work. And I'm like, um, for me, it takes a while to register. I'm not a spontaneous person. So I'm just sitting there going, okay, how bad's that? And so I had to ask him a few questions that, like I have no brothers and my dad was the only male. So I'm asking these questions going, oh, all right, God, what do I do? So... Um, we then had to work out what, what we were going to do. He had to tell my two boys who were, you know, just entering, Jack was 13, so he's just entering teenage years and to hear this, you know, from their father. Wow. One of the hardest things he's ever had to do to face them and answer their questions as to why. Um, so that was the beginning of horrid, horrid, horrid time. That, that's insane. So, I mean, how long did it take for it to click in for you? I, um, I had a, uh, one of the ladies from church came and stayed with me and we pretty much, I know she was so ready to go to sleep and it's three o'clock in the morning and I'm still processing and asking questions and trying to, to get it all out because my mind goes and goes and goes and doesn't stop. I'm one of those that can wake up in the middle of the night and go, oh, that's what I've got to do tomorrow, and then I'll do that, and then I'll do that. It doesn't stop. So, you know, I think I, I didn't have a lot of sleep that night, and it's just the realisation, and Pastor Janet coming in saying, what do you want to do now? And I'm thinking, oh, I've got to make it, like, what, what do I want to do? Were you angry? Like, when did you get angry? I, um... <laughs> I have very smouldering anger. It, it, my boys, um... <laughs> Whoa, that's the worst kind. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it is. Um, my boys know the limit. They, that, you know, um, they can push mum so far and then that's it. It just explodes. 
so it took a while, and um, I think because for that first year, it didn't stop, yeah. and so I, um, I got, I got angry. I, I don't swear, but I did call him a name <laughs> that I, yes, my mother would not be happy with, um, and I, you know, did slap him across the face one time, but I, I didn't hear that story. No, no. Wow. Because I was just like, how could you do this again? Um, so to, to say that you've done something wrong in your marriage and then go, okay, what are we going to do? And then to continue, it was like, God, why can't this just be over? And I know I kept saying to Pastor Janet, can't this just be over? And she's like, it's only been a month. I'm like, yes, but can't it just be over? Wow. Yeah. But you, you decided to stay and fight. Yes. And that's what I think I love about you. And, and I also love about Tim is that even though he was coming to the realisation of what he'd done and, and how he had hurt you, yep. he also chose to end it and to yeah. stay yep. with you and to fight for your marriage, which I yes. think is also extremely honourable and amazing. So what made you decide, I'm going to fight for our marriage, I'm not settling for this? So I, wrote, so I wouldn't go on. Because um, one of the big things, I, I love to fix things. Like in my job, I fix things. If something's broken, it can be fixed and I'm determined. So I've got this fight inside me that goes, I want to win. I love winning games. I, I, if I go to run, I run to win. I, so I had this fight in me. Um, and I knew... See, from the very beginning, God told me this was the man I was going to marry so loud and clear that I looked over my shoulder. And so I came back to that and I said, God, you told me. And I remember standing in our bed, pacing up and down and looking at our marriage bed and saying, God, this was the man you had for me. This is not new to you. You knew my life. This is not a surprise. So why would you tell me now? Why would this happen now? And you tell me 17 years ago, this is the man you're going to marry. So I thought, all right. Why would you do that? And God loves me. Wow. So why would he do that? So I thought, okay, well, there's, you've got something in this, God. And I, st I still loved him. That didn't stop. And I had to go, well, what do you, what, Tim, what do you want to do? Do you still love me? And one of the biggest things was he did. And it was that thing of coming and telling me because he knew how much it had hurt. And he knew how I would hurt. And he knew what he had done. So... I had this fight in me, but I knew it was God. And I knew that he, he was going to do something in it. And um, one of the big things that I thought, I know I've done things wrong. And I know the sin that is before me and that, that I come to God and say, God, this is, you know, what I've done. And if anyone was to know that, how humiliated I would be. Like, my sin's private. You don't know it. <laughs> but to have Tim's sin public... And to, to have to tell the church that and then victory. And it's like, how would I feel? And I thought, I'm not greater than God. So if God forgives me and I expect God to, when I come to him and say, forgive me, and I expect God, yes, you love me so much, forgive me. But then in my head I'm going, but I'm not forgiving that. Wow. And I thought, I don't know that I can do that. Um, I, know, I know like... Some of my family thought that I maybe wasn't as strong because I, it's one of my little pet peeves is that just because you're a quiet person doesn't mean you're not smart or you're not strong. Right. Right. 
And I thought, I am a quieter person, but it doesn't mean I'm not strong. And so I set some things in place. All the like, quiet people were just agreeing with you quietly. They were. They were, they, they were all like... That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. I could hear it. Um, so I just went, no, I'm... And I think I astounded them with some of the strength I had because I don't... Um, I, well, I, I'm not great with a challenge. I don't back down. It just takes me a while to think it through. Um, and I, I remember as a child, we used to have to learn verses at church all the time. And that was a big thing because I remember things. I'd remember verses. And 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And I've got it in the... Um, I've just been reading the Passion because Tim gave me this Bible and it's Christmas and I just read what he wrote in the front. And, oh, it's beautiful. But it says this. It says, We all experience times of testing, which is normal for every human being. But God will be faithful to you. He will screen and filter the severity, nature and timing of every test and trial you face so that you can bear it. And each test is an opportunity to trust him more. For along with every trial, God has provided for you a way of escape that will bring you out of it victoriously. And I thought, okay, God, what's my escape? How do I get out of this? How do I do this? And have a marriage that works. I, I wanted it to work. So I chose to, to fight. Um, and I, I was reminded that... Because every time I'd put the TV on, they'd have a show, and the theme was someone caught in adultery and what are they going to do? And so, you know, the murder mysteries, well, they killed someone because they had an affair. And it's like... It just kept bombarding me with, you know, what the world sees. And I was like, do we have to do this? Um, but we fight for causes. We fight for things. We'll give money to um, other causes and things. I thought, our marriage is, is so important. It's a representation of Christ and the church. This is the things we fight for. And I went, this is what I'm fighting for. And I went, I want to make it work. If he does, um, if Tim does, we can make this work. So, yeah, that's, that's me. <laughs> so the, the, the road ahead was pretty long. Yes. Pretty arduous. A lot of open conversations. A lot of, you know, <laughs> yeah. Tim proving his, that he's trustworthy again, yeah. which yeah. is, that, that's a long journey. Yes. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Um, but it, like, this is a massive story of redemption. So, uh, I mean, the, the grace of God on you is phenomenal for that. Um, I just, uh, just want to ask you, uh, what has happened as a result of you deciding, you both deciding, let's work this out? Like, how's your marriage now? Like, it's, it's really good. You know, um, we actually communicate better than before. Um, things that we kind of go, oh, I don't know about that. Well, we'd actually talk it through. Um, I think we, we respect each other's opinions a bit more, not telling each other what to do. I know at the beginning it was this control thing and like, okay, I'm going to make Tim do what I want him to do now. He's hurt me, so now I need to control it. It's like, you know, I really can't. I can't. God, you need to work. Um, and it's, it's interesting. We went and saw a movie and one of, the th sorry, one of the things in this movie was that, you know, the whole thing of adultery. And I'm sitting there next to Tim. This is our, you know, Friday night, date night, I don't know, movie. And he just reached across, held my hand, and it was like he knew exactly that it still hurts and it wow. still reminds, but he was just like, I get it. And, you know, part of me just goes, oh, I don't want to feel this way anymore. <laughs> but, um, you know, he understands. And it's that understanding, yeah, he knows, 
But we, we keep moving on and we keep saying, yeah, God, wow. whatever you want to do. I just want to applaud you and uh, everything that you guys have gone through. You're such a testament to the grace of God and to a couple who decide to make it work no matter what. So well done. We celebrate and honour you today. You're an amazing woman of God. Thank you for everything that you've done to showcase to the world that, uh, that grace is real and that the, that the truth is, yeah, is powerful and that um, this is possible. So can we put our hands together for Kate? Thank you so much, Kate. Wow. Wow. Whoa. Okay. Now I'm supposed to preach after that. All right. Thanks so much, Kate. That's, um, yeah, your, your story and your commitment to your husband and to, you know, it, it would have been easier at times to walk away wouldn't it? Yeah, for sure. So thanks for all the times that you said, I'm not going, I'm not walking away. Thank you. So marriage is a gift from God, right? That's what it is. Uh, and I love that, Kate, you mentioned this earlier, that uh, it's actually God's image for us of Jesus' relationship with the church. So it's a powerful thing. Uh, also, the intimacy that's available in marriage is the closest thing that we have to the intimacy that God shares in, with himself in the Godhead, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, they're in agreement. They're in, they're in, they have the same vision. They have connection. There's an intimacy there. Uh, and the intimacy that we, have, that we are allowed to have in marriage is a reflection of that. Um, it's, it's good. But that doesn't mean it's always easy, right? And we heard some stories last week and, and this week that it's, it's not always going to be easy, but it is the kind of hard work that pays off, you know. Who's ever done any renovating at home before? You know, like you've like, this room is terrible. We need to clean it up. You know, like there's mold in the ceiling and the, 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 you know, the wardrobe doors kind of, well, that fell off a few months ago. And, you know, the carpet is messy and some kid did something in the corner there. You're not really sure what happened there. Uh, and there's uh, all this stuff on the wall. There's a few holes because you tried to take the paintings off and it didn't really work so well. You know, the, the, the hook's out of the wall. And so now you've got these funny holes and you're like, let's just fully gut it and start again. And you're like, no, we don't need to gut it. We can keep that wall. So you, you, you start working really hard. You know, you, so one of you starts standing, the other one's cleaning and the other one's ripping the wardrobe apart. And then, then you're like, great, okay, we were almost ready to paint. Oh, let's rip up the carpet. Yeah, then you rip up the carpet, you know, and then the work really begins because then you've got to start painting and you pay some guy a fortune to install a new wardrobe. And, you know, but by the end of it, you've got this freshly painted, nice room to live in and that's what marriage is like you find these little gaps these little problems these little issues and after you've gone through the really hard work of renovating you actually have this fresh new space to live in and to enjoy with each other um, marriage is like that and you live in whatever condition you decide your marriage is going to be that's the condition of your, of your marriage, is the, is, the, is the condition that you decide it's going to be. So can I just encourage you, um, everyone, to be, you know, if you're married, <coughs> by the way, if you're married, Thursday night, Ministry Centre downstairs, Pastor Christian and Ruth, Ruth Brown. It's going to be such a great night. Just... Um, if you're struggling or if you're not struggling but you want your marriage to go to a new level, right, 
Who's like, who wants to, uh, who, who like really believes in levels in relationships, levels in your walk with God, right? Three pastors down the road, down the front row, just think that that's, that's true. All right. It's true. You get to go to new levels in God. You, the, God's plan is to take you from glory to glory, from like strength to strength. So from one place where you're feeling all right to the next level. All right. So, all right. So we worked out a few things this morning. Let me, let me just lay it down for you. Marriage, good, but marriage hard, but still good. So how do we make marriage less hard? Right, let's talk about that because I'm a simple guy. I'd like to make marriage less hard. Marriage is sometimes hard, but it's good. Who, who, who agrees? Yeah, right. Marriage is awesome. I love, I love my wife. And miraculously, she still loves me. That's a good thing. If you're still in love, that's good. If you fall out of love, then just fall back into love. All right? Don't feel like, oh, well, I fell out of love. I guess that's over. No, 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 no. Love is not just an emotion. Love is a verb, right? Love is what you do. That's a verb, isn't it? A doing word. Isn't that what they tell us? I've got to clarify these things. Anytime I, anytime I walk into the area of English grammar, I'm like floating. I'm like, I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing here. How did I get here? You know? And what they say is, if you fall out of love, keep loving, right? Keep doing the acts of love. Keep washing up. Keep being kind. And, and the emotional comeback. There you go. All right. Love. Yep. Man, for my wife it is. You, gotta, you, you work out your own wife, man. I'm not working yours out. I got, I got enough ch- challenge working out mine. <laughs> uh, I've, got, I've got a pretty pegged. Yeah, you're, you're, you're out. I've got a pretty worked out as long as I keep doing things that are good. All right, so we're, we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 6 and we're going to talk for like 20 minutes and I'm going to let you out early. Isn't that, isn't that how it works? Is this... No, I'm not letting you out early. We're gonna, I'm just going to keep talking. No, <laughs> no it's not good. <laughs> All right, we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 6. And you're thinking, why are we in Ephesians chapter 6 talking about spiritual warfare? Why would we talk about the armor of God and being strong in the Lord when the day of evil comes to take your stand. You know why? Because Ephesians 6, this passage is in the context of marriage and family and work. So you can't just read a passage of Scripture and, and take it for its own, its own merit. You can't just go, oh, that bit's nice, and oh, I have to work out how that applies to me. You have to read Scripture in context with the Scripture that's around it. All right, because these aren't just little words that appeared on a page one day. This was a letter to a church in Ephesus that Paul wrote, right? So he had a point to it and he was, he was going from somewhere to somewhere. He was being led by the Holy Spirit and he was, he was writing down these scriptures that would become the, can- that he was writing down a letter that would become the canon of scripture that we can now read and dissect and go, wow, what does God mean through that? Okay. So in Ephesians chapter 6, it starts out, as as we did last week, talking to the children. uh, Ephesians 5 has been talking about Christians and how we deal with each other, how we deal with other people in the world. And then it's talking about mothers and fathers and how we're going to love one another as husbands and wives, right? 
You should only have one wife if you're a husband. You should only have one husband if you're a wife. All right, just clar clarification there. All right, and then it goes on, talks about workplace relationships, and then, bam, armour of God. What? Armour of God. Okay, so this is the context. So I'm going to read a nice chunk of Scripture for you today. You ready for it? One person's really super ready. Excellent. I'm reading Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 to 18. It's on the screens for you as well. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armour of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Right? This is a real thing that's going on. There is, there is the real world and there is the spiritual world that is interlaced over the real world. And that's where the demonic lives. That's where the angelic lives. You can't see them unless they translate into the real world. But there's a, a, a spiritual world that is happening right around you, wherever you are any day of the week. It just keeps on going on. So you're in a battle whether you know it and whether you're fighting or not. Okay, so Paul... Paul is helping us to understand the realities, not just of family life, but of spiritual life that's happening around the family. Okay, I'll talk about that in a minute. All right, he says, Therefore, put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with a breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet filled with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith which, with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. All right? So, Context today, marriage. Context of this, marriage. All right? First thing that Paul says, verse 10, is finally be strong in the Lord. The best thing that you can do for your marriage is that you are strong in God. Is that you're, you have a strength in your relationship with God, that you have a strength in your prayer life, in your ability to hear God, in your ability to obey God, right? The strength that you receive from God, the adjustments that He gives you. I don't think we'd be married if I wasn't getting transformed sometimes by God. Slow process of transformation. Beck would be like, <laughs> Who is this guy? You know, this is why intimacy is so important because you keep changing. Like, you, you, you know, keep changing. The, the, the key is to keep changing together in the same direction. That's why it's so powerful when you both follow Christ because then you're like, you're changing and you're changing in the same direction. And you don't just have to put up with the other person's changes, you know. You're actually involved in that process. All these things help your marriage to thrive and succeed. And I haven't even mentioned things like repentance and joy and worship and, and intimacy with God. Like, I haven't mentioned any of those things. What about wisdom? That's pretty good. 
right? All these things come out of your relationship with God. So if husband has a powerful relationship, a great, strong relationship with God, and wife has a great, strong relationship with God, then you're moving in the same direction. And and, and you're bringing, you know, you're not walking into your, your marriage with all this baggage all the time because the Holy Spirit is dealing with some of your baggage all the time. You're walking in with new, fresh revelation. You're walking in with a fresh gratefulness to God of who He's given you, you know? Like your journey in Christ is such a massive benefit to your marriage. I, I, I couldn't even imagine how many weeks and months and seasons of stuff that we've walked through. I can't even, we've been married for 20 years, you know? It's good. It's amazing that you still like me, but you're pretty easy to like. I love what um, John Finkeldy says. He says, pray for your spouse. He says, die, it's his wife. He says, she is, she's the first on my list of prayer every day. He says, she's at the top. The moment when my prayer shifts from thanking God or worship or whatever into things that I need to pray about, she's always at the top of my list. I remember him saying that to me about five years ago and I went, oh, that's powerful. I need to probably start praying for my wife. Just pray for your spouse. You'll like them more. It's true. It's true. Because then you start to get the heart of God for them. You're not just looking at them from your own, well, I didn't meet my needs. I'm not going to meet their needs. It's like, actually, they're a, they're a child of God loved by the Father as well as you are. Right? It's, and then I love what Di said. She, <laughs> so good. Remember years ago, Di Finkelty says, uh, I decided I'm just going to stop nagging my husband and I'm going to start nagging God. And you wouldn't be amazed at how much more efficient that was. <laughs> and I was like, Di, that is the best. So I, I've adopted that model and it's amazing how well it works. <laughs> no. In fact, I think Beck has adopted that model. I don't, I don't ever feel nagged. Your relationship with God is your most, is your highest priority, right? It needs to go God, spouse, kids. Don't get that all mixed up. God, spouse, kids. If you don't have a spouse, you don't have kids, well, that's easy. It's God. It's, that's super good. Because then it's just really clear. All right, it's all about you. And then God provides a spouse for you and you go, this is awesome. Don't get the order mixed up. Right? Because if your spouse is prioritized above God, then you're going to start looking to your spouse for things that only God can give you. I remember listening to a message by Pastor Dave Gilpin of C3 Hope City, Sheffield. And he said, uh, what was this message called? It was how to have a slightly better marriage. Oh, this is brilliant. This is brilliant. How to have a slightly better marriage. Really good. You can look it up. I think I gave it to some people as well. Uh, I texted the link to a few people. And, and, and he, he, said it, um, he said that exact thing. Your wife or your spouse, your husband, your wife is not designed to fulfill you in every conceivable way. Otherwise, you wouldn't need God. And otherwise, you wouldn't need friends. And otherwise, you wouldn't need the house of God. So the problem is when we elevate our spouse to the level of God, 
that they become the source by which we try and extract everything that we need. And that is unsustainable, all right? And no human is designed to be able to completely supply another human's needs, right? Apart from a baby, I don't know how. Yep, disclaimer. <laughs> yep. So if you want to do well in your marriage, in your family life, this is the best way. And, and if you read the Greek on this passage, where it says, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, it actually says, keep being strengthened in the Lord and his mighty power. So there's this inherent, uh, this inherent humility in this verse, whereby I'm not just, I'm not just trying to you know, make it through. I'm actually, I'm actually needing to receive the power and the grace and the strength of God all the time, right? So I'm not just looking to my spouse for strength. I need to look for, to God for strength first. And then uh, I love it because there's actually three words for, for power in this verse, three different words, strength, might, and power. So they all come from God. Right? So in my marriage, in my, in my parenting, in my workplace, if I'm going to get it right, then I need to, I need to be, be strengthened by God's mighty power. Right? His grace, His power. Uh, and verse 13, when it says, Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. You may be able to stand your ground. God gives you the ability to be able. He gives you the power, right? You know when you can't forgive your spouse for something? You know, and you just, it, it, it's just going over in your brain. And you're like, whatever. And you're like, you know, you're trying to be polite in all of your discussions. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then later on, you're like, whatevs. And you just, you're carrying this thing and it's getting really narky in your soul. And your soul is getting a little bit messed up inside. This has never happened to me, by the way. And you're like, you, you realise that you're holding on to something that you, you, you might need to let it go, right? And that's when you go, God, and God's like, I forgave you, just like Kate said, right? He gives you the ability to do what you can't do. He gives you the strength to do what you can't do. So don't feel like you gotta do it all by yourself because God first, spouse second, kids third. Be strong in God. All right, point number two. First one was be strong in God. Second point, put on, don't take off. Verse 11 says, put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. All right, so the, the devil had a staff meeting yesterday and he was talking about how to wreck your marriage. So how can we pull Darren and Beck apart? Guys, I want ideas. Guys, ideas, ideas. Yeah, that's a good one. No, you, you, you're now dead. You're out. Uh, uh, yeah, you're going to the torture chamber because that was a dumb idea. You know, he's having a staff meeting and he's talking about you and he's talking about how to pull your marriage apart. The devil is ski. I don't want to give the devil too much credit. But he is real, and he, the Bible does say he schemes against you. 
He plots and plans against you. So you need to put on the armour of God so that we can take our stand against the enemy's schemes. If you apply the armour of God to your marriage, you're going to have a far better protection than if you don't. Yeah. <laughs> can, I, uh, can I just... If you grew up in church... I want to help you. I, I really want to give you some assistance today because I grew up in church and it sounded to me like the armor of God was this thing that, you know, well, you know, put on the armor every day. So you have to, you know, and there was all the actions to it. And I'm like, okay, great. Now I'm untouchable, baby. You know, I've got the armor on. Doesn't matter what I do, the devil can't get me. That's, that's not true. Because when the day of evil comes, the devil doesn't look at you after you've prayed some fancy armour of God prayer and say, oh, no, Todd's untouchable today. Oh, well, um, I guess we'll try and get him tomorrow if he forgets to pray the prayer. That's not how it works. The armour of God isn't some mystic magic thing that where you are putting on some super spiritual armor so that in the spiritual realm you are glowing purple or anything, like in some computer game. It's, that's, that's, not, that's not how it works. You're not like pretending to put on a coat of armor or anything, right? It's, this, is, this is a declaration of how you want to live. It's, it's a prayer. It's a declaration of this is what, this is how I want to live, God. This is what I want you to, to loose into my world. Because all of these things in the, in the list of the armor of God, they are inherently protective. So if you are asking God to enable you in, the, in these things, you'll be protected. Okay? It's a declaration of how you want to live. God, I want to live my life undergirded by truth. Right? I want the, 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 the breastplate of righteousness. I want the righteousness of Christ to be applied to my world and I want to walk around like that. I don't want to walk around in condemnation or accusation, right? It means that I now, oh, hang on, I've got the helmet of salvation. That means I can think like Jesus. I can think with God. I, I know that I'm saved. I know who I am in Christ. And then I'm a, that is insanely protective. If you just know your identity in Christ, and walk in that, wow, powerful. I got faith. That means I believe that what God says is gonna happen, right? It means that whatever the devil shoots at me, it's not gonna mortally wound me. I'm, I'm operating in faith. It means that my weapons of choice, right? What are your weapons of choice? Your harsh cutting words to your spouse, don't use that. That's not going to help you. The, your weapons of choice are the Word of God and prayer. Okay, these elements of, my, of the spiritual armor, you need to put them on every day. But it's not some weird Christian routine. It's a declaration of what I want my life to look like because I want to walk in truth, God. I want to know that I'm righteous in your sight. I want to have the helmet. I want to know that I'm saved and walk around saved. You know, I want, to be, I want to be ready with peace whenever I, whenever I step into, that, into my home 
Whenever I finish work and spend two minutes in the car giving everything that happened at work to God and I step into my home, I want to bring peace. Right? Apply them to your marriage. We talked about the word earlier. The word is what we declare. We declare it over our marriage and our families, our home, our children. The word is powerful and it is future shifting. The word of God is like a sword and it cuts down the fabric of the enemy that he tries to throw at us, that he tries to make it stick to us. But he, the word cuts off the, the junk of the world and enables me to stand firm. So lastly, there's so much in there. Read, read through it. Read through the armor of God and think about it in context of your marriage and your family. And you'll get so much out of it. But lastly, point number three, take a stand. What, what happens when you face difficulty in your marriage? What, what, what do you do? What's your default? What's your default? Men, do you run and hide in the garage or in your little room that's got your Xbox and the big, big, big TV because you just had to have that for your special room. You know, where do, where do you go? What's your default when there's, when there's trouble? Right? We need to take a stand. Ladies, what do you do when there's trouble? Are you all up in his face? Maybe you go and bake something. I don't know. What do ladies do when they're angry? <laughs> I tell you what, she's never going to bake me anything when she's angry. <laughs> Maybe she just bake. Oh, those scrolls were for you. Oh, right. That's not for me at all. What do you do when you face difficulty? What's your natural bent? Because what we need to do is get to a, po a point where like the Word of God says, that when the day of evil comes, that you're able to stand. Most of the stuff that you go through in marriage, I don't, I don't classify that as when the day of evil comes. She's not evil. He's not evil. <laughs> All right? Most of the stuff that happens in your marriage is a result of incompatibility, which is great. Show me a marriage that's not incompatible. Opposites attract. That's how it works. Beckett, I couldn't be any more different. But that's what we love about each other. It's a result of other hardship that's happening in your family, your finance, and different area of your world. Maybe there's a physical, maybe, there's, maybe you, one of you got really, really sick. You know? What do you, what do, you do with that? That's not when the day of evil comes. Maybe there's been a change, a seasonal change in your, in your lives. And maybe you haven't navigated that change very well. But then there's the day of evil where the devil will come and he will challenge your marriage. And that's when you need to stand. 
That's when you need to know in advance. You need to know in advance, I'm ready, we are ready if the day of evil, when the day of evil comes. When the devil wants to challenge and rip apart everything that you've created, I'm making it sound dramatic, but you know what I'm saying? I'm not saying that that doom and gloom is around the corner. I'm saying that it's a reality that your marriage will be tested because marriage is a reflection of Christ and His church and the devil hates both of those things. So any healthy marriages walking around out there is a testament to the devil that Christ loves His church. Look at it working right over here in this marriage. Look at it working right over here in this awesome marriage. The devil hates anything that reflects Christ. So you you need to take a stand together in your marriage and be like, and like kind of preempt it. Be like, you know what? We're gonna face some trouble. What are we gonna do about that? We're gonna stick together. We're gonna take a stand. We're gonna be strong. We're capable. We love each other. We've decided never to quit no matter what. That's one of the best things you can do is just make it your decision. We're not quitting like Kate and Tim. (laughs) We're not quitting no matter what. Wow. And I want to be super careful how I say this. But it's, it's, it's no surprise that marriage in Australia is under, under fire, you know. But, but just because they take a vote and, and, and the government's definition of marriage changes, it bears no impact on this truth at all. There's, there's, there's no change to truth. People of the world, you can believe whatever you want to believe, but the Word of God is true, right? I mean, Jesus was asked, right? The Pharisees are trying to test Jesus. And He said to them in Matthew 19, He said, haven't you read the Scriptures? They record that from the beginning, God made them male and female. And He said, this explains why a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife. And the two are united into one. Since they are no longer two, but one, let no one split it apart what God has joined together. Right? On the C3 Global website, it has what we believe. A list of, a list of statements about what C3 believes. And this is what it says on there. It says, Marriage was instituted by God, ratified by Jesus, and is exclusively between a man and a woman. It is a picture of Christ and His church. So you need to take a stand in your own marriage. And we need to display to the world in the most loving, kind way possible. This, this is how God designed it. Can you see I'm trying to be super careful right now? God is love. Love isn't love. God is love. He, he, and He is good. And he knows how we work. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.